steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are taking another look at the Chicago Bears, uh, with the Vikings having a very important matchup this Sunday. Uh, Drew and I called it uh, arguably the most important matchup they have remaining on their schedule. Um, and I guess based off of what we've been seeing the last few weeks, I think every the next game is always the most important game on the Vikings schedule right now. But uh, this one has a particular significance. There's an opportunity here not just to get back into that seven seed, assuming that Arizona drops the ball here. Uh, there's also the opportunity to pretty much eliminate Chicago from the playoff picture. Uh, so this is a big game. Um, obviously, we've covered Chicago before, and we've done it in years past as well. I'm sure everyone's very well aware of what they bring to the table this season. Um, there is one main change from the last time the Vikings saw the Bears, and that is the quarterback position. Um, and our fears have been realized. Um, Mitchell Trubisky is now back in at quarterback, which Drew and I suggested on the last time we covered this, that that's actually a bad thing. So uh, we will talk specifically about Trubisky and kind of how, what he adds to this team uh, and, you know, some other practical notes on the defense and changes that have come to light since the last time we saw Chicago. And then we'll finish up with our picks for the week. So that's the game plan. Uh, Let's jump right into it here. Uh, Let's start, let's start with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Since I really do think that, you know, this is, this is the biggest difference, obviously. You know, anytime you switch the quarterback position, it's a significant change. Uh, but it's also a completely different style of offense, mm-hmm. too. It's not just switching talent for talent. This is literally switching in a statue for mobility. Um, and that's something, at least for me personally, and I assume for you as well, that makes me nervous with this game. Yeah, I think – so, look, Trubisky's not good. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll preface everything I say with that. Um, and there's a reason that, you know, I mean, he was lost his starting job to Nick Foles, who Foles has not been uh, anything, you know, he hasn't been a, a remarkable starter by any means besides two games really in his career. Uh, they just happen to be the most important ones he ever played. Um, so Trubisky is, you know, he's inaccurate. He'll miss throws. He makes poor decisions sometimes. But mobility thing is what scares me, right? Any mobile quarterback, they open up different avenues to create right. yards, create offense. Um, and a lot of that sometimes is not, able to be game plan against and so i mean any mobile quarterback you know you want to uh, use you can go from you know mahomes and wilson but then you can go down the list to like josh allen before he kind of emerged this year it's another guy that w- made it tough for defenses to defend right. trubisky's kind of in that same realm there so uh, i i'm definitely more afraid of this bears offense with trubisky there uh, it's more dynamic uh, there's you know the the, op- the the threat of the quarterback running brings in the potential to you know, need a spy, which then, of course, takes away from the coverage of the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs, which the Bears have a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a super talented group, but there are guys there that know how to get it done. So uh, the Bears offense, again, it's been bad most of the year. They've kind of woken up the past three, four games, and I think a lot of that is because Trubisky has returned to the offense, and now you're seeing this offense, uh, the Bears able to move the ball and put up points. 
So there's two points that I want to touch on that you brought up. First and foremost, I think this is really the most important thing that you said. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's not a good quarterback. Um, he's bad. That's that's accurate. That's the correct statement. He's had enough time in the league now where I think we can make an objective assessment and say that what he has done to date is simply not good enough. Um, I'm fine with saying that. Now, it's still hilarious. Things. It's all, it's still hilarious that the Bears traded up to take him. Wow, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Are right. Horrible. That remains funny forever. Uh, I imagine we'll probably be mm-hmm. talking about, about that every time we talk about the Bears uh, for the end of time, basically. Yep. So you guys got about uh, 50 years plus of that left. So um, the second point, though, that I wanted to make is, and this is kind of in addition to, uh, Trubisky's bad, but he adds that dimension that you don't get from Nick Foles, and that's the mobility. So I've been kind of thinking about this a little bit, and I think it's very strange how, in general, over the last three, four, five decades or so, uh, mobile quarterbacks aren't, weren't really a thing, right? I mean, you, you've got examples. Steve Young, of course. You know, you've got Michael Fran Vick. Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton. Yeah, that, that guy and that guy that a few of you have probably heard of. Uh, they are, there are examples, of course. But mobility was not something that was looked for by scouts. It was more just kind of like an asset. It wasn't like a box to check. Uh, that, to me, has changed considerably mm-hmm. in the last three or four years. Uh, mostly, I, I think Lamar Jackson has a, is, has a played a role in this, but it's really been the guys that are just mobile, not the dual threat types, more just the guys who can get out the box and fling it, like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, who have really switched the dynamic and being that mobility is necessary now at the, at the quarterback position. And if it's not absolutely necessary, it's certainly a definitive asset that brings something to the table that you can get away with more, even if the quarterback is bad. So that being said now, Trubisky's bad, but that mobility gives him the opportunity to force the Vikings into mistakes, right? It may give off the illusion that he is a good quarterback. He's not. I want to reiterate that and be very firm with that. He's not a good quarterback, but that mobility factor does change the thing. He's a professional quarterback. He's not necessarily good, but he's in the NFL for a reason. He can still throw the ball 15, 20 yards downfield. If you spot him coverage, he's going to burn you. This is what professionals do. So he might not be good, but his ability to get outside the pocket when the Vikings just got away with you know three pressures last week and didn't get anything done on a guy who is literally, literally the basis for the term statue at the quarterback position, that makes me nervous because all it's going to take is if he wants to be a running back and throw it 12 times, he might be able to get away with that because he's going to escape the pocket. He's going to get one-on-one with the spy a couple of times. And if Eric Kendricks isn't playing, which is another important note this week that's different from last time, I don't know who you have spy him. It's probably Eric Wilson, who is not the surest of tacklers, but a good player nonetheless. But there are concerning factors that you can be – aware of and will probably present themselves this weekend despite the fact that Trubisky is not an apt thrower of the football I think it opens up volatility uh which is obviously good and bad um the added mobility you know Trubisky doesn't have the decision making the instincts yet to kind of take advantage of that 100% of the time that he used the mobility right but the the it opens up the avenue for a crazy good play in the same way that it opens up the opportunity for crazy bad play for the bears. And so um, I think there's been enough of those good plays lately that this offense has kind of figured some things out and they're starting to actually score points uh, in games now. And now granted they've played some, some pet, some poor defenses the last few weeks. Um, you, know, you talk about Detroit, they had green Bay on Sunday night and they were able to get a couple of, um, I think they actually was, that was more garbage time than anything, but um 
and then they played Houston as well. So there's, you know, that's part of the, 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 the issue here, but uh, the Bears offense is definitely playing better. Trubisky and that added element of mobility brings in, in just an extra thing to be aware of an extra thing to game plan for. Uh, and so, and, I mean, let's just be real here. Trubisky and the bears. And I don't know this is, it's definitely not all Trubisky winning these games, but Trubisky, as far as I know, has not lost against the Vikings when he starts the game, uh, or at least since 2018. So um, there's a reason for that, I think. And I think it's the mobility. And sometimes the mobile quarterbacks have given the Vikings defense fits. And that was when the Vikings defense was kind of in its prime, so to speak. And it's certainly not that now. So, uh, that's the one element that I think just need to be discussed, need to be touched on other than what we've hit on in the past with the bears is, you know, they have good playmakers, right? I think Montgomery's a good back. I think he has, he's been kind of shortchanged with the run game and the offensive line, not performing too well. Uh, Alan Robinson's a stud. I don't see an answer for the Vikings, you know, to, to cover him up, uh, tight ends. They have like 10 of them. Yeah. Uh, they're probably going to, you know, you're going to see Cole commit. You're going to see Jimmy Graham a lot. Um, Darnell Mooney's been really good, really nice addition for the Bears. Um, Anthony Miller's in there too, so they have they have skilled players. Um, it's just they haven't been able to get those guys the ball very well from the quarterback position. I think that stays that way with Trubisky, but I think he'll he's able to create plays that can kind of expose the defense with his feet. That's the one thing to worry about this week for the Vikings defense. So one of my favorite things about division battles <clears throat> is that I'm just more well versed in what's going on in on the other side, right? Like I have more accessibility to that fan base. Uh, Chicago being one of, you know, the primary, I, I've just, I've, I've worked with a lot of content people that are Bears fans in the past, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, when you and I started working with Aldo all the way up to, mm-hmm. you know, Shane or whoever at the, at the Brawl Network. Um, I, I have a lot of interaction with Chicago fans. So I feel like I have a good finger on the pulse of what's going on there. And one of the, the narratives that I really like is that Bears fans are now blaming the reason that they've fallen apart on Nick Foles. They, they, the same people who a month or probably five weeks ago were saying that Trubisky is the worst pick in franchise history. He's terrible. Um, we need to get him out of there at all costs, et cetera, et cetera, are now blaming Nick Foles for you know, the, the switch by Matt Nagy to put in uh, Nick Foles instead of Trubisky as the reason why this team has you know, floundered. And by floundered, I mean completely fallen apart. Um, they were 5-1. They were five and one, and the Vikings obviously caught them in the middle of that you know, prolonged losing streak. And then, of course, last week they came out of it with that big win over Houston. Um, but what I find you know so interesting about this is like you don't snap your fingers and just get good, you know, and you don't snap your fingers and just get bad either. Um, you're you're kind of one or the other, and you know you you add to that narrative along the way. The Vikings being probably the best example of this, where they've sort of added to that narrative and detracted from it throughout this entire season, seemingly on a week to week basis. Chicago is in a position now where it's like they seem like they're bad. This seems like a bad football team. Um, but then they put out this 36-7 game against probably another bad team with a really good quarterback in Houston, and all of a sudden you kind of can – you have the opportunity to reset that narrative that's been put together for you. And Chicago has as much to play for as Minnesota in this game. Keeping in mind that Chicago's 6-7, and seven, boys. I mean, if they win this game, they basically take the Vikings out. So mm-hmm. this is a situation where – you know, it's not just good versus bad. Um, it's not just bad versus bad if you're someone out there who doesn't think the Vikings are very good. There's so many more other factors that are in play this week because of all the, you know, what's surrounding these this game. I mean, there are, there are things, you know, there are things going on where you can't project, 
you know, how, what the atmosphere is going to look like in Minnesota this weekend. Because, first of all, there's no fans. Second of all, you can't, you can't project, you know, which team is this on both sides? Is Chicago the 5-1 and one team or the, you know, 1-6 and six team? You know, is Minnesota? You could ask the same question. Um, and there's so many moving parts with Kendricks likely being out again, with Mitchell Trubisky coming back in, that, you know, as much as this is the same game that we saw a couple weeks ago, it's also a very different game because of kind of the situation that's been presented to us. This is arguably the biggest football game of the weekend. Now, it may not feel that way because you're talking about a, you know, a mid-market team in Chicago and a smaller market team in Minnesota, but this game has more impact on the playoff picture than any game this weekend as far as I'm concerned. And that's something that – that's a factor in itself. Uh, Kirk Cousins, we know his story. Mitchell Trubisky, we don't really know his story. So, like, there's just – my point being here is that, yes, I think Chicago is the worst team here. Yes, I think the Vikings have matchups across the board that they can favor. But at, at the same time as that, there are so many, you know, unquantifiable areas to this football game where it's, it's just it's as just easy It's just different than last time. It's just it different is. Than it's just different time. than last time. Yeah. That's that's the easy way to sum it up. You, know, you change one team's quarterback, you take out one team's most valuable defensive player, arguably, in Kendricks. Um, that right there is a significant shift, I think, towards Chicago. Um, right. And so it's going to be different. I think it'll be it'll require more points than, it, than the Vikings had to score last time to get the win, uh, for sure. And I'm, I am worried about your risky uh, – moving making a play or two with his feet that kind of win the game for Chicago um so I I don't really have any other further thoughts than that of this matchup just because you know we know what Chicago's defense is right there's a bunch of skilled players there um a bunch of you know that 2018 defense wasn't a joke um they're all there it's just I mean there's coaching change last year and whatnot kind of mixing it up a little bit for Chicago but all those players those key guys that made that that engine run are still there um, that's still a, a stealthy defense to, to worry about. But offensively, they've just been shortchanged all year. Lately, it's kind of woken up kind of by a combination of Trubisky returning and the poor, uh, I guess, poor opponents to play against defensively the last few weeks. And so it's um, – I, I think this game is straight up a toss-up. I do. And I don't think the Vikings have a home field advantage right now because we're seeing more and more that that doesn't seem to be the case for the Vikings. The home field advantage – at least for sure without fans in the building, um, there isn't really a home field advantage for the Vikings at this point. They, uh, you know, they lose at home to Atlanta and Dallas. So they absolutely can lose this game to Chicago. So in your mind, what is the answer for Mitch Trubisky? We, we've gone over the fact that there's, you know, there's significant differences here between how you, you know, pressure, how you put pressure on Nick Foles and how you put pressure on Trubisky. The main difference, of course, being the spy, right? You need to keep one guy back that's literally just staring at the quarterback and following his every movement. That's, you know, that's the obvious one here. But there are other ways to bring pressure that you don't necessarily need to when you're dealing with, you know, when you're dealing with a quarterback that just steps up in the pocket as opposed to rolling out, like Trubisky has a tendency to roll out to his right side. Everyone makes the joke about him rolling out to his left because he can't throw from his left side, right? So he's got this tendency to roll out to the right. Um, and Nick Foles has the tendency to literally just step up or get sacked. That's, that's a significant difference in today's football game, right? Um, so how do you stop or how do you slow Mr. Trubisky? And really those ter- two turns are kind of synonymous because he ends up stopping himself a little bit. But – 
what do you need to do to put pressure on him from, you know, a schematic standpoint? Like, what is it that you would do if you're Mike Zimmer and you're staring down the difference between Foles and Trubisky, what would you change about the Vikings defense? I'd, or the way you I'd try to get him moving backwards. Um, Cause I think where he can maybe make a place, if he gets to moving North South uh, and is able to move forward when he gets out of the pocket, right? like it's one thing to escape the pocket by moving backwards or moving away from the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think that's where he can, he can be, um, uh, kind of lured into making mistakes. Whereas I think when he gets able to move forward, you know, that's where that a, the confidence grows, but B more of the field in front of you, your receivers, those throwing, those throwing windows are um, wider for you. So I think that's the first step in that, of course, is going to, is going to, you know, that uh, forces Zimmer to get really creative with the blitzes that he's able to create because this team ca- clearly can't generate pressure on uh, a standard four man rush. Right. So, you got to get creative. You got to use the personnel that you have available, which isn't very, uh, you know, doesn't uh, nothing right home about there, but you got to do what you got to do to get pressure on, on this guy. Cause that is one way for sure to get your risky rattled early on is you get after him early. He's not an accurate quarterback as it is, but he's pressured. Certainly not accurate at all. So generally speaking, there's two schools of thoughts when you're trying to slow down a quarterback, right? Everyone says, get someone in his face, right? Get pressure. Um, or play blanket coverage for the entire 60 minutes. One of those two options doesn't seem too feasible. Uh, the other one is if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan and you watched last week's game against Tampa Bay, also doesn't seem super feasible either. Um, with a quarterback like Trubisky, there's two, I think to me, for me, there's two ways to beat this guy. You either got to get to him really, really fast so he doesn't think at all. Or you got to have consistent coverage where he's thinking too much. Uh, because he, this is the type of player who has been in the league long enough now where he should be established, right? He should be a starter or you should have some sort of answer. Right now, he's basically a spot starter in the NFL. And as a top five pick, that's just not going to fly. So you know he's in his head about that. Whether he says he reads the clippings or whatever, I don't care. The media is still asking him questions about it. He knows it's there. I would bet, I would bet my, you know, my paycheck this week that he's in his own head about everything that goes on there. So you got to get him thinking. And to me, that means that you got to play, you could play zone coverage against this guy. He's not going to beat you on man because he's, he's simply not, you know, he, he's not smart enough to find the zones. And I don't mean by intelligence, like I'm sure he's a very book smart individual, but he doesn't read coverages to the ability that a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, a Aaron Rodgers, you know, I could go down a level, a Matt Ryan. He doesn't even, he just doesn't read coverages that well. He generally looks at his first read and it's, that's normally going to be Allen Robinson. And if he's covered, he throws to a tight end or a running back out of the backfield. That's generally what Mitchell Trubisky has done, or he's going to run. So if you keep, if you keep the spy on him, I don't know who you're going to play at spy. That ve- is very concerning to me because I don't know what you can do because Eric Wilson on Mitchell Trubisky one-on-one sounds like trouble to me. I don't like that. Um, I've seen him miss enough tackles in his career. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that makes me nervous. Um, the other piece there being is that you got to wrap up in zone. I think this is a cover two game. I think you play two safeties high uh, and you basically play zone across the board and force Trubisky to throw into that zone and allow your playmakers, Harrison, uh, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris specifically to judge that ball in the air and make plays that way. And kind of, you're right. I mean, he adds volatility to the situation both ways. Um, you got to force him to make a mistake by thinking too much, I think, because I don't think you have the option to get to him super fast and get that pressure. That is kind of the answer to every coach's, you know, argument, right? We got to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, I don't think the Vikings are going to get pressure. So they need to hold coverage. I think, I think that's the, that's the recipe here. You got to hold coverage and you got to hold that spy. And I think he'll be in a position to win this week.
yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'll always give the benefit of the doubt to the team playing against Mitchell Trubisky, ultimately. Uh, but the Vikings' defense clearly is not uh, at its peak self. Uh, talk about injuries, talk about guys that haven't played all year. Um, so, you know, I, I think Zimmer has the coaching edge. I think Trubisky is just not good. But there's definitely the, again, we're going to talk about the volatility and the potential for the play that Trubisky makes with his feet That's that can give this this defense or any defense fits. So, um with that said, uh, I'm going to, I think we're going to move into the picks here. We can transition to the picks because we kind of covered the main part uh, of what we wanted to talk about with the changes this week. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears in this game. Um, I do. Uh, and I, again, that's just Trubisky, the last three years now, has won against the Vikings. He's made one or two plays in those games with his feet that have been enough to kind of get them over the edge, score enough points. And this Vikings offense against this Bears defense, again, they scored 19 last time. Um, is that going to be enough this time? I don't think so. So I'm going to take Chicago, um, unfortunately, because that will effectively eliminate the Vikings from playoff contention unless something absolutely bonkers happens the last two weeks. Right. Uh, I'm going to take Chicago too. Um so you mentioned a couple of things that I liked throughout this show. And really when we turned on the recording for this, like it, it, this was a coin flip for me in my mind, I was kind of working through this myself and we'll see at what point I arrived at. And ultimately I'm, I'm going to pick Chicago too. Um, I think that there is enough evidence to suggest the Vikings will win this football game, but I'm not, I'm just not confident and I can't be confident in that pick. Um, it makes me very nervous to have, not just a mobile quarterback, but also a quarterback that has had more success against the Vikings than he's really had against anyone else no, that's um, in true his too. career. So Trubisky, just what Drew's been alluding to, he's played six games so far against the Vikings in his career that began back in 2017. He has been on the losing end twice. So Those are both in his rookie year. Um, right. And then I think, uh, yeah, because that was the Monday night game where the Vikings escaped uh, with the Case Keenum game. And then 2018, both won both. Uh, the one that knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs, of course, at the end of 2018. 2019, technically, I guess, shouldn't be credited to him that first game because Chase Daniel played most of that for Chicago. But um, and then the last, the end of the end of the year last year was also kind of against Vikings backups. So really, you know, he won last year, but I guess that 2018 year he dominated the Vikings, um, and so. Has Zimmer found an answer for him yet? I don't know. I guess we can we'll find out this week, but I would imagine it'd be tough to find that answer with so many guys out hurt and your defense very depleted. Right, right. And really, the kind of the biggest thing here is that like the passing numbers for Trubisky aren't that good. It's really the rushing that makes me more concerned because it, it comes at the right time, right? He, like he had one game for ten for forty three. That was a couple of years back against Minnesota. Uh, He's had a couple of other games, too, where his legs have done the, you know, the majority of the work. Uh, that's what makes me the most nervous. But he's, you know, he's throwing interceptions against Minnesota. We know that that's there. Um, so this is a, this is a toss-up. Um, I'm going to go Chicago with you. I think that, you know. I'll say this. Bears plus three is a pretty good bet, I think. Um, yeah. One thing to consider, too, the Vikings can't make a field goal. So that's another uh, consideration in this whole thing. The, the Bears kicking situation is actually better than the Vikings, which is uh, – not something I would have said before this season at all. All right. Well, Drew and I are both going Chicago this week. Let's uh, let's get into the rest of these picks here and hope that we're wrong about the one game that we actually care about, huh? Um, 
All right, so next up on the docket here is the Thursday night game, uh, and that starts with the Los Angeles Chargers against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, both of these teams kind of non-factors in any sort of playoff picture right now. Really, this is – I mean, Las Vegas, I guess, is still in it, but um, this is mostly a, a non – this game doesn't matter unless you're from Los Angeles, in, in which case it really still doesn't matter. Um, so um, who you got in this one? I got the Raiders. Um, I, I just, I think both teams lately have been trying to lose games quite a bit, um, but I'm going to take the Raiders being at home. Uh, it just seems like their offense is rolling a little bit better. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take, geez, I'm going to take Las Vegas. A um, couple of reasons. I'm, I think they're more consistent. You know, they run the ball more effectively, more consistently. Um, and, while I think that they do try to lose games, the Jets being, you know, the greatest example of this, um, they do have – they're more competitive now than, than Los Angeles. The Chargers need another year and another round of draft picks. Las, Las Vegas needs, like, a, a big price signing, and then all of a sudden they're a playoff team. So they're one away. Um, I think that they're, they get it done this weekend. Um, we got two Saturday games here now. Um, it's, we're at that point in the season where we get to have that kind of fun. Uh, that starts with Buffalo and Denver. Buffalo coming off of that huge, huge, huge victory over Pittsburgh to hand them their second loss of the season. Uh, Denver coming over, coming off of a big win over Carolina. They look a lot better offensively when they have a normal quarterback playing the position for them. So um, who do you got in this one? I'm going to take Buffalo. They look really good. Uh, you know, they're, they're poised to make a, you know, win a playoff game or two in the AFC this year, I think. I'm taking Buffalo as well. They're definitely the favorites in the AFC East. They have effectively taken that title over from New England as far as I'm concerned, even at this point in the season. Uh, they're the easy pick here. I'm going Buffalo as well. Uh, the next one here is Carolina, who faced off against Denver last week. Uh, and they're going up against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who are rolling as much as rolling can be done in the NFL. So um, who you got in this one? They got the Packers. Um, I... I mean, there's, there's no, there's nothing much to talk about here. The Packers are rolling. Panthers are struggling. Yep. Easy pick. Yep. I agree. There's not a whole lot more to say than just that. So I'll go Green Bay as well. <clears throat> uh, the next one here, we've got a division matchup. So it makes it a little bit more interesting than it sounds like on paper. And that's Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Um, both teams from the NFC South, of course, one of these teams is fighting to get back into the division lead position. They still have an outside chance of catching up with the Saints. Um, the other being... Uh, Atlanta, who has essentially fallen off a cliff and done kind of the Atlanta thing all season long. So uh, does Tom Brady get it done, or is this a divisional upset in the, in the making? Uh, Tampa Bay gets it done. Uh, I still don't trust the Falcons, and I'm not sure I will for a long time. So Drew and I both picked Atlanta last week over the Chargers, and we were both wrong. That was the last time I'm going to trust the Falcons for the foreseeable future. You will not see me picking the Falcons again. That was the most winnable matchup that, I saw, that I've seen in recent weeks for them. Uh, they play a good team against Tampa Bay, a team that just crushed the Vikings um, in many ways, I suppose, not necessarily on the scoreboard. Um, so I'm going to take Tampa Bay as well. I think that's a safe pick here. Uh, the next one is San Francisco at Dallas. Uh, San Francisco is a team to keep an eye on just because they're not completely out of it yet, and they're still kind of biting on the heels for the, of the Vikings and, I guess, the Bears as well. Dallas is coming off of a victory, uh, not necessarily against a convincing opponent, but they did win last week. So what you got in this one? I'll take the 49ers in this one. Uh, I thought they were – they showed some positive signs against the Washington team that I think was underrated last week. Um, so, I'm going to take the Niners. Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners as well. Uh, I don't think Dallas 
I just can't trust Andy Dalton. I mean, how can you get behind a team that is that erratic throwing the football? Um, it's just tough to do in 2020. So I'm going to take San Francisco, who somehow with Nick Mullen at quarterback is still less erratic at the quarterback position than Dallas is right now. Uh, the next one here is Detroit and your favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Detroit coming off of that loss against Chicago last week, essentially ending their season. Tennessee still doing their thing. Derek Henry over 200 yards rushing this past week. We got in this one. So Derek Henry has an outside chance to get 2,000 yards this year. Um, he's got like uh, over 1,500, three games left. So, I mean, if he can put up, you know, what, 470 yards or something over the next three weeks rushing, uh, he's going to eclipse 2,000. And he's got some really nice matchups to do that. He's got Detroit, Green Bay uh, the next two weeks. So I think they're going to feed Derrick Henry, and he's going to make that work. Uh, I got the Titans winning big here. Yeah, I've got the Titans as well. There's nothing about Detroit that inspires confidence right now. Outside of Aaron Rodgers talking about Matthew Stafford every week on Pat McAfee's show, yeah, there's, sure. nothing, there's nothing positive about Detroit. I'm taking Tennessee as well. Um, next one here, we got an AFC South matchup. That's Houston and Indianapolis. Uh, Phillip Rivers, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL this season. You would not have seen that coming from a yeah. guy who threw uh, a back-breaking interception basically every week last year with Los Angeles. He looks uh, like a lot better quarterback this year in Indianapolis, and he's got that team rolling at 37 years old. Uh, does he get it done against Houston and Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, if you give a quarterback great pass protection, a great running game, great defense, you know, he's going to sort of become the best version of himself, which is what Philip Rivers is doing this year. I'm going to take the Colts. They're, uh, they're playing pretty well. The Texans are kind of struggling, don't have anything really besides Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going Indianapolis as well. I don't think I'll be picking Houston from here forth. Uh, it, it's tough to pick a team when it's literally just Deshaun Watson putting him on their back. He has no help right now, like zero. Um, and I think that Indianapolis is one of those teams that plays probably the best team football in the NFL. You just mentioned all the different things that they have going from them, whether it's their running game with Jonathan Taylor, their defense that, you know, buzzes around the ball and plays excellent in coverage as well. Um, they've got too many things going from this is a very complete team. I don't think that, um, you know, Houston is anywhere close to, in the sense of that term. So uh, we'll go Indianapolis as well. Uh, the next one here. This might be a passing the torch game uh, in many ways. I know that Buffalo uh, probably is going to maintain control of the AFC East this year, but New England and Miami are playing against each other this week here. Uh, this is the matchup we're focusing on, of course. Uh, Brian Flores gets another crack at Bill Belichick. Of course, his former defensive uh, uh, – Flores being Belichick's former defensive coordinator. Uh, he's had success. Um, and Belichick – former Belichick coaches seem to have success against Bill for some reason one way or the other. Um, but in the point that I was you know, kind of gravitating towards is that Miami seems to be on the up and up. New England seems to be kind of in the midst of a transition, whether Cam Newton's the quarterback or not next season, it seems like they're moving towards rebuilding in some aspects. Uh, so does Miami get it done and move towards a playoff spot and, you know, put New England in a position where it's very difficult for them to get back in for what the 40th year in a row. Uh, I'm going to go Miami here. Uh, I think Tua is slowly kind of starting to figure things out and, um, last week against the Chiefs, they battled pretty hard. So like, I think the Dolphins are, are figuring some stuff out. So I'm going to take Miami as well. Last week, you and I had that brief discussion about how the Miami-Kansas City game could be, you know, kind of the same thing as the Washington-Pittsburgh game the week before. And the first five minutes of that Miami-Kansas City game looked like the Dolphins were going to be competitive if you were paying attention. Um, and then, of course, you look at the box score and you see what happened. Kansas City happened, of course. Well, New England's not Kansas City. So I'm going to take Miami as well. I'm with you. I think that this team is really figuring out 
figuring it out quick. Uh, they're well coached. Uh, they've got some assets there. You know, I'd love to see Devontae Parker get a little bit more involved. Uh, but I think that they have a real opportunity here to kind of have a passing the torch moment. Um, I'm going to say Miami gets it done. Uh, the next one here, Seattle and Washington. Well, this matchup got a hell of a lot more interesting over the last two weeks. Um, Washington is real. They're good. <laughs> I, I have, I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't watched much Washington football this year. The last two weeks I've watched all of the Washington football. They're really good defensively. And Chase Young is a world beater. He is crazy, crazy, crazy good. So two weeks ago, we're talking about how Washington is, you know, in the midst of the worst division ever. They might be lucky to, you know, kind of walk in at six and 10. Um, and now we're talking about a top five-ish defense with one of the best playmakers on the side of the ball, you know, being the catalyst for that team right now. And they're going up against Seattle, who's kind of going through their own issues. I know they're winning for the most part. But they are going through some issues. Russell Wilson's turning the ball over more frequently. Uh, the defense is, has a lot of question marks. I don't know who's going to run the ball half the time because it's either, you know, it's one of Carlos Hyde or Chris Carson, but Carson always seems to be hurt. Uh, there's issues in Seattle, and Washington seems like a team that could take advantage of that given the way that they played defensively recently. Yeah, I'm going to take Washington here. Um, I think the fact that it's at that, you know, FedEx field, that, you know, crappy field <laughs> – uh, I saw – now this is way early in the game here, but the forecast doesn't look good. There'll be some rain and stuff. I think it's going to be one of those ugly, grounded-out games that I think Washington's more built for that. So I'm going to take Washington. Yeah, I'm going to take Washington too. I didn't know the forecast, but that definitely just adds to it. Um, they're rolling right now. Ron Rivera really knows how to coach. and considering That the roster that is not that great. It's uh, not. It's, it's really not. Dude, this uh, might be besides Dwayne Chase Haskins. Young, really. <laughs> it might be Dwayne Haskins starting at quarterback this week. If you saw what happened with Alex Smith last week, you know, anytime he gets hurt, you feel like it might be the end. So um, this is this is weird, and I, I think that I'm going to take Washington. I'm, I'm with, I, I think that this has – they have a real chance to, to do some damage here and, you know, solidify themselves as the only team that's competitive in, the, in their division. So uh, moving forward here. Uh, Jacksonville and Baltimore is the next one. Baltimore coming off of that sensational game with Cleveland, of course, that went down to that came down to the Justin Tucker field goal. Jacksonville continues to do Jacksonville stuff, mainly losing. Um, I think this is kind of no contest. Yeah. Oh yeah, Baltimore, hundred percent. Baltimore for me as well. The next one kind of leans the exact same way. That's the Jets and the Rams. Yeah, uh, we've already established. <laughs> oh that my, not... seventeen and a half spread. Nice. Uh, give me the Rams there. Would you still take that spread? The seventeen and a half so. points. Yeah, I think, I think so. I would too. Especially after last week, like a lot of people thought the Jets would cover 14 against Seattle and it was 40 to three. So right. give me the Rams. Yeah, I'll take the Rams as well. Uh, Philly and Arizona. Now this one became a lot more fun with the transition at quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hurts is basically playing quarterback and running back right now. They have not found a way to you know, fully implement his skill set just yet. So we're still kind of seeing developments on what they're going to do offensively with that transition. But uh, they're a lot more fun now. Uh, they're a hell of a lot more fun, and they seem to have a better recipe for success this week uh, than they did last week, which is kind of what you're looking for when you make the switch at quarterback. On the flip side here, you got Arizona, who is basically the most hated team in Minnesota outside of the NFC North right now because of where they stand in the playoff picture. They come off a win last week. Uh, they are firmly entrenched in that seven seed right now. The Vikings need some help. Uh, is Philadelphia the team to help them out? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say yes. I got Philly this week. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you know, when a new mobile quarterback comes in, uh, defenses haven't quite scouted him enough, filmed him or watched film enough on this guy and, and talk about Jalen Hurts in this example. 
uh, he seems to have a success early on. It happens all the time. You know, uh, he kind of, uh, blows up, so to speak, early on in his career. I think Hertz is kind of doing that right now. I think he gets the win against Arizona this week. Yeah. The rookie luck factor is real. Um, and by luck, I mean what you're alluding to in that teams don't have film on you. So you can throw whatever you want at them. Well, now they've got about one and a quarter's week of mm-hmm. film or so on Jalen Hurts. Um, granted, they're not facing you know a defensive mastermind. This is Cliff Kingsbury's team. Uh, but I'm going to take Arizona here for a couple of reasons. The one being that with Hurts, I don't really, I'm not really a believer in Jalen Hurts, just for starters. You know, I, I don't think he was a second round pick. I think he was more like a type of guy you take in the fourth round and hope for the best on. Um, so for that reason, I, I, you know, I think they might be better than they were with Carson Wentz, but I still don't have a lot of confidence in him being a consistently good quarterback. Um, so for that reason, I would take Arizona. And then the other reason just being, you know, Kyler Murray has done a lot of very special things this season. I think this team is special in a lot of ways. Uh, this is a moment for them. Uh, a moment that Vikings fans, unfortunately, uh, you know, failed to capture last week. Now Arizona gets their, to- gets their chance here to kind of get uh, really solidify themselves as you know, a playoff team. And I think they're more apt to get that done. Uh, I'll take Arizona here and we'll split. Um, next couple here. Kansas City and New Orleans is the next one. Uh, this is a matchup between top powers in the AFC and NFC, although it may not feel that way. Uh, Kansas City, of course, being you know, the very best team in the world right now, and New Orleans missing their their primary quarterback and basically playing you know, something at quarterback that isn't working as well as I think Sean Payton may have thought. Um, so who do you got in this one, Patrick Mahomes or Taysom Hill? It feels hilarious to even ask that question. Yeah, yeah I'm taking the Chiefs uh, every week, no matter who they play right now. I think that's uh, I think that's the route that I'll go as well. You know, you look at you look at what New Orleans has done not so well in recent weeks. Uh, I don't think they can win a shootout anymore without Drew Brees in there. And Kansas City is the ultimate shootout team, so I'll take Kansas City as well. Um, next one here is Cleveland and the New York Giants. Would have been a lot more fun if Odell Beckham Jr. was playing. Of course, he's not yet. We're still talking about him because that's the news cycle in New York right now. Um, does Cleveland get the revenge for their fallen soldier or does New York keep pace with Washington this week? I'm going to take the Browns. Um, I, mostly it's just because I, I want Kevin Stefanski to, to succeed. And so I'm going to pick the Browns largely because of that, unless they play somebody, you know, way about like Kansas city, for example, but I'm, I'm going to take Cleveland. Yeah. I'm going to take Cleveland too. New York's just, um, they're interesting. They're a lot better than I think a lot of us thought they would be with Joe judge, a head coach. Uh, but Cleveland looks real. Uh, they almost beat Baltimore. They did beat Tennessee. Um, they're averaging 40 points for the last two weeks. I don't see New York getting anywhere close to that number. So I'm going to take Cleveland as well. And then the last one on our docket here, the Monday night game, uh, it's not a fun one. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, uh, no Joe Burrow in this one. Pittsburgh coming off their second loss in a row, but still an 11-2 football team. Pittsburgh rolls, I assume. Yes, yes. I, I mean, they should roll. If they don't, then they are officially frauds if they weren't already uh, with that 11-0 start. Yeah, the only thing that makes this exciting is that it's an AFC North matchup, uh, interdivision, so they know each other. But there's not that much. I just don't think that Cincinnati has enough right now. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh as well pretty convincingly. And that brings us to the end of our week here. So an update on our picks. Uh, I went 12-4 and four last week. Drew went 9-7. and seven, So I have reclaimed a two-game advantage with two games remaining. It uh, looks like we have a couple splits this week. I think the biggest one being that, uh, that Arizona-Philly one. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, uh, you got the Los Angeles Chargers and Vegas Raiders as well. Uh, but that wraps up the show as far as I'm concerned. Any concluding thoughts uh, before we let these guys go? Uh, no, we get football or NFL football on Saturday. Though. That's fun. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited for that. And then, of course, for those that are still vying for fantasy football championships, I wish you guys good luck in your semifinal matchup this week. Absolutely. Uh, I'm very jealous if you are still in your fantasy football matchups. I'm stuck playing DraftKings for the remaining of the season. <laughs> but I do like those flash drafts and highly recommend them. They're a lot of fun. But uh, that all being said, uh, you know, hope for the best this weekend. Of course, Drew and I are expecting the worst. But uh, this is a real opportunity. Um, you move, you know, put yourself in a position to get back in it. It starts this week. Uh, I think the Vikings have a good chance. Um, hopefully we're wrong. So thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, drop us a comment either on the Daily Norseman or on YouTube. Uh, and we would love checking that out. So make sure to, you know, let us know your thoughts there. Um, and make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket Network. Those guys are dropping content basically every day, both in uh, audio and video format. It's a lot of good stuff, so make sure to check that out. So uh, with all that being said, thank you for listening to the show this week. We appreciate it as always, and we will catch you guys next week.